You are listening to Committed, an ongoing conversation about marriage, intimacy, relationships, and sex. As you and I had a conversation a few days ago about marriage, and one thing I mentioned in that conversation was 50, 60 years ago in the U.S., um, I can't speak to Europe, but in the U.S., if a guy and a girl got married, they were not expected to be best friends. Like you, the guy would have his buddies who he'd smoke cigars with or go bowling with or do whatever the hell guys did back in the 1950s. And the girl would hang out with her friends and they would have, you know, cocktails and smoke cigarettes and whatever the hell else girls did back in the 1950s. But they would raise children. They'd have dinner. Uh, They were like, think of the movie, A Christmas Story, you know, with uh, You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. Like, look at that couple as they're raising that kid. This couple, they are not best friends. They are husband and wife, and they are raising these two kids. Now, this isn't the best example because, I mean, it doesn't, it's not very romantic. But I think the, um, I think something that came to mind after having that conversation and, and recently having matched with this this girl online in Germany who, who's, who literally said, I want to find a husband and have kids and this is my plan and this is what I want to do. And she basically sent me a resume, like a dating resume, which I'm just blown away by. I've never seen anyone do this before. I'm very much intrigued by her and she knows exactly what she wants. So in the last 24 hours, even last night when I couldn't sleep, I was thinking, maybe I've been thinking about this the wrong way. Not the wrong way, but the suboptimal way. And I think I've been living in a belief system perpetuated by modern culture and media and TV shows and so forth that your partner, your wife is supposed to be your best friend, the best sex, the best co-parent, your travel buddy. Like I've mentioned all of this before, but I think that's almost delusional to think that one person is going to fulfill all of those roles. And so what I am thinking right now, vis-a-vis this particular woman, is what if you could have a partner with the explicit goal of creating a family together, obviously you're going to want to have shared values. You're going to want to have like some sort of healthy sex life. You're going to want to have, you know, if she lights money on fire and I'm a minimalist, it's not going to work. There's got to be some sort of shared values. But what if you could find someone like that? And then I was literally thinking this, I could still rely on Taya as being one of my best friends. Like I don't have to like swap Taya out with some other girl and be like, okay, this new girl, she's now my best friend and Taya gets knocked down two notches. Like I could still rely on Taya as being a really good friend in my life and a source of like love and joy and companionship, even if we're only talking over video from 3,000 miles away. What if my family and my other friends together could be my, my, like, my tribe? And then this woman would basically just be my my wife to reproduce with, and we would have shared values and we agree beforehand on what we would want it. We've already talked about that. We're like, yeah, I would want my kids to be multi, you know, at least bilingual. I'd like them to be swimming and doing gymnastics. Like it would be nice for them to travel to Germany once a year to, you know, to learn German and be part of that culture. I think that would be a great upbringing. And so part of me had this like huge weight lifted off my back because I think for the last few years, because I've met women I've had several ex-girlfriends that were like the one, like, oh my God, this person is everything. And I've been waiting 10 years since my last girl who was like that. 
um, trying to find that next one and waiting and waiting and dating and dating and just not finding it. And it's possible that I'll meet her later today or tomorrow. But another part of me is thinking, maybe this is just a story I'm telling myself and I'm just beating myself up. Like, why haven't you found the one? Other people find their one. Um, maybe there's no such thing as a one, like I was saying earlier in an earlier podcast. Maybe there's someone who is a good partner for me that I could be with, have kids, potentially have some sort of agreement where I could, you know, we could have like an open marriage as you and I have discussed before. And, you know, when I'm with her, we are raising kids together and they are learning English and they are learning German and we are living in San Diego and going to Disney with the kids. But I still, you know, I'm not, I'm not in my mind counting on her being my best friend and being the perfect woman that you can possibly imagine. Because I don't think that woman exists. And so, I don't know. I think I was catching myself in a delusion. And it's been kind of enlightening, actually. I'm, I'm playing with this. I'm not committing to it. But I definitely felt a sense of relief. Yeah, you're definitely on to something. It's a great idea goes back to my philosophy is pick of pick a person because we're we are all going to go out there and find someone and find problems with that someone at some point in time and then you may go on to another partner and then you're going to find problems with that partner and so on and so forth and I love the idea it it makes us more secure individuals like so having you in my life makes me a more secure individual and partner in my relationship because then I don't put all of my eggs in James's basket. If I am expecting everything from him, then that is way too much pressure on him. And But there's also a dance that people have to do because we do expect and want to expect a certain amount from our partners. And we do need to be able to expect a certain amount from our partners. But that's going to be different for everyone. Some people are happy as clams to just have each other and they are each other's best friend and they rely on each other for everything until someone dies and then that really sucks. But there are some people that are super happy. For me, I knew that I needed a balance here because if if the condition for getting in my relationship with James, for example, was that you needed to be out of my life because you're a man and women aren't supposed to have you know, best friends of the opposite sex and vice versa, that would have been a deal breaker for me. And I established that very early in my relationship because I was like, this person has been extremely pivotal in my life and is super important to me and he's not going anywhere. I'm not going to be a good partner and wife to my husband if I don't have the people that fulfill me. I get to choose who those people are, right? My partner's allowed to have boundaries around um you know, who and what and why I might have relationships with other people, but I'm also allowed to reject those boundaries and say, okay, well, then I won't be in the relationship if you have this boundary. Um, because I, what I don't want to do on this podcast episode is, or really ever, maybe, I don't want to share my opinions on other people's boundaries and and say whether their boundaries are bullshit or not, because it's not really for anyone to decide if my boundaries are bullshit or if your boundaries are bullshit. They just are what they are. Um, but in response to that, I think what a lot of couples do in a, a like kind of a a snag that people will hit 
is that they'll say, well, I have this boundary and you have to accept it. It's unreasonable for you to not accept my boundary kind of thing. You need to stay in this relationship and you need to cut off this person from your life. And the only way that it will make sense is if you cut this person off from your life and accept my boundary. And that's not really how it works. You say, here's my boundary. And then the other person says, okay, I'm in agreement that that makes sense for you to have that boundary and that I can be in this relationship with you respecting that boundary. And it's like a boundary is an agreement that you make with another person. It's not just a limit that you set on them and call it a day. And that's something that some people feel confused about in relationship too, because they're like, well, if I have a boundary, my partner just point blank has to respect it. And I'm like, well, you can do that, but you're not going to have a healthy relationship if your partner really doesn't holistically understand why you would even have that boundary. It's not like you're not going to be able to interact with each other in a healthy way for in many circumstances if they just can't even wrap their head around it. If they're just blindly respecting a boundary, it just doesn't foster connection. It's not even that it's horrible to do. It just doesn't foster connection between the two of you. So, But back to what you were saying, it's it's really important that we don't look for every single quality we need in a human being in our partners, but there is going to be a delicate balance because in 2024, in 2023, people do want more from relationships. Like women used to be men's property and and sex used to be something different. It was to procreate. Women were getting fucked. However it felt to them didn't matter their pleasure didn't matter. And now it's supposed to be more of a collaborative relationship where everyone's receiving pleasure um, and everyone's, you know, giving pleasure. So it's like, it's a whole different dynamic than how relationships used to be. And that's why, part of the reason why it's called on to like have more than just we're married, but, but you're very right. Like it is a business agreement. It is a contract that you make with each other that these are the things that we want to give each other. This is the way that we want to collaborate in this relationship. And we're also going to get our other needs fulfilled elsewhere. I think that's the smart way of looking at it, really. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that people nowadays, they do want more. They do want to have this wonderful sexual relationship. They do want more of a balance rather than the more traditional. But yeah, I do think it's something to think about. It's something to think about that... um, you know, maybe I shouldn't be looking for that perfect person that has everything. And if I do want to have kids, which is kind of the whole genesis of this entire interaction with this particular woman, here's an opportunity right in front of me. And she's highly educated and she's beautiful and she's got everything I would, pretty much everything I would ever look for in a woman. And I haven't even met her yet. And I'm like, oh, maybe the universe is just delivering this right in front of me after having this realization. You have to have that delicate balance though too because there will will or won't be a motivation to work on the relationship if there's not a connection and a drive to do so. Like if you don't look if you just look at someone as okay this is a good person to procreate with because they are intelligent because they want to be a stay-at-home mom because all of these things but I have other friends that fulfill me and I feel connected to when things start to go wrong, which they inevitably will in every relationship at some point, you won't have a motivation to work on it and repair with them. If I just looked at James as like 
you know, he's here, he helps me support the household, you know, we we do things together and we get shit done as a team. Um, there's not going to be a lot of drive when things go wrong because inevitably there's somebody else out there who could do the same thing with me. And maybe I won't have that problem with them because I don't know yet because I'm not in the relationship with them. But because I have a greater and deeper connection with him as my husband, I have a drive to want to repair things when things go wrong. So you do have to have that happy medium and that level of connection together so that you have the motivation to start to work on things and that you don't just think to yourself, oh, okay, well, I picked this person. That really didn't work out. So let's go on to the next person. You know, you do have to be committed to the relationship. So that's where not my argument, but my like stance on like it definitely has to be somewhere in the middle. You don't want to rely too much on someone, but you also don't want to rely on them too little or they're just replaceable because then especially if you have kids, you disrupt a family when you break that apart. And it's funny because what I was actually wanting to talk with you about today was something that came up for me yesterday that was a situation that I was previously in. Um, and I think it connects to this in some way, but it was really about how at one point in my life, I was shocked to find that my spouse just walked out on me and was gone. And we haven't really gotten into that, but I had it come up yesterday and I found myself come up in someone else. Um, and I won't share their name or details about their life, but the way that I was really approaching things all these years later was, you know, here are the legal implications in your position because you have been walked out on. Um, this is what I would do in terms of your kids. This is what I would talk to your lawyer about X, Y, Z. And we went through the whole thing. But what really struck me, and I was able to really look at it from a business perspective. Like I basically left all emotion out of it, talked with this person about it, gave my advice in person because I didn't want to like text about it and make anything convoluted. I just wanted to say, I hear you. I hear that this is what's going on. This is the action that I would take having been in this position. And, but I really thought to myself after that, wow, you know, things that they said really stuck out in my mind. Like, I'm shocked. How could this have happened? There was no warning. I'm so lost. I keep jogging my memory. What did I do wrong? I know people have issues. I know sometimes we're not that happy, but why is it that it came to this? It just really brought me back to that spot. And I made a TikTok video this morning that I haven't posted yet. I think I just have it in my drafts about like, you know, if you are in a spot in your marriage or your long-term relationship where you're like grass is greener, like, and you're silent and you, but and you leave and then you're like, I was trying, I was trying for all these years. That's something that I had heard. I, I tried and I'm like, how, how did you try? Like, what are the measurable ways that you have tried to work on this relationship that have actually like that I've been aware of. Um, and so that just really struck me that came up as kind of something to discuss today because, you know, I've been through that. You've been through that in your own way in your family system, not necessarily yeah. you, not you specifically, but it's something that's like near and dear to both of our hearts and and not so great way. And obviously I've grown from it and I came out of it, but it's just absolutely shocking when someone just views you as replaceable. Like I could just have another life, 
with somebody else. And I guess the way that I link this back to what we were talking about is like, you know, you don't want to just marry someone because they look good on paper. And that kind of conflicts with what we're, I think, in our dating episode that's not yet posted, but we were talking about um, how you want to look at it really like succinctly, like say like, okay, these are my values. These are the things that are important to me. And that's why I'm going to go into this experience and look at this before I get attached to this person. But some of us do even so, because I was in a relationship where we were very passionate about each other for a long time, but life gets in the way. And then it's almost like just transactional, like, yep, you know what? This isn't working for me, so I'm going to go do something else and, uh, and and you'll be fine and, you know, we'll figure that out. Don't worry about it. You have all the money you need, so you should be good, right? Which that absolutely was not true. But at the moment when I, I was in the middle of it, that was something that was said. He said that? Oh, yeah. He said, I pay for everything. Why do you even care? Why do why did I care that my husband walked out on me if he pays for everything? But that first of all, that right there is such an invalidating statement and it's also not correct, right? Because I was doing a job. I was doing my job. I was working in finance, but I was just working a low number of hours because I was trying to manage every aspect of my household while working my job and I had a newborn baby. I was postpartum. And the reality is that if I were paid for the job that I was doing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I would be paid a lot of money. That number has been calculated out there, how much moms would actually make if you calculate all the hours that they work and how much their value is. Um, It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. So yeah, you might have been bringing in the money to pay the bills, but we would have also been paying for childcare if I wasn't doing the childcare. So that is worth something. Um, So it felt very invalidating at the time. But when you're in that situation, you feel so shocked. I felt so shocked that I was like down. And so you could just kick me and hurt me more, but I wasn't in a strong position in the first place. So you say something like that to me and I'm like, ah, now in my life, I'd be like, well, what what the fuck do you mean? Of course, I, I'm making, I'm just not seeing the actual dollars, but I'm doing a job. So that doesn't make sense, right? But I'm in such a different position now. And so I just, I kind of wanted to put out there in this episode, if this topic came up, which now it is, that like, you're in such a vulnerable position. And I know that at least some of our listeners have been in this situation before where they felt extremely blindsided. And, you know, when it happened to me, I felt like I was already down because I was postpartum. I was postpartum. I was emotional. I didn't have enough help. I didn't have enough family support. So I was already down. It was like I was down and then my husband left me. So he kicked me. He like kicked me and then walked out the door and went to an unknown location. And the gravity of that is just so big. And so kind of thinking about the video that I made this morning, it's like, communicate. Communicate when something's off. Because honestly, even so, the person that's dealing with this right now, like they were communicating and it just was not put to the top of the list as one of the most important things. But 
communicate. Communicate the minute you start to feel like your relationship is not working for you. Be vocal about that. Yeah. And and put the effort and time in that it takes to actually try to work on some type of repair. Of course there are going to be relationships where the other person is just like, "No, I don't I don't care. I don't want to work on this or I'm not going to put the effort in or they say they're going to put the effort in and then they don't." Those are caveats to this situation. But it's 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 very rarely that a relationship just vanishes. Like like everything was completely fine and then you just walk out the door. So like noticing and really being aware of that fact and Again, could link this to our dating episode. Ask these types of questions. If you are very hell-bent on, once I get married, I stay married, you better be talking to your date about that on the third date when you're like, hey, we could be boyfriend-girlfriend or girlfriend-girlfriend or boyfriend-boyfriend. Like, Talk about what your expectations are of a serious long-term relationship and what that looks like. What's your action plan when you, when you find that things are getting challenging? What are you going to do? Are you okay with both calling it quits? Like, that's okay. You know, that's not my preference, but I can honor other people's experiences. As long as you're both on that same page, that's fine. Yeah, I think communication would be, I wish everyone knew that because my first memory ever is coming home at like five years old with my mom and my siblings. And there being this, late at night, it was like Thanksgiving or something. This huge moving truck up at the house with all of these strange men inside my house moving furniture out. And like all of me and my siblings, my siblings and I are just crying because we thought we're being robbed. We have no idea what's going on. And it was my dad moving out. And my dad's just a a doofus. Like my mom knew he was moving out, but she didn't tell us, of course. And uh, he thought that we were staying the night up with my mother's parents in Pennsylvania or there was some sort of miscommunication. So, oh, uh, or whatever the case was, he was not supposed to be there when we got home. Like it was supposed to be all done. And then all of a sudden we would come home and all of our stuff was gone. I don't know which one is worse, honestly, but you think they would like tell the kids, hey, things are going to change. You know, your daddy's going to move out. Instead, now that I think about it, both scenarios are terrible because you're going to come home and you're either going to find strange men in your house which I can still see in my five-year-old eye. That's how, that's how it's burned into my memory. And like my sister just bawling in tears in front of me. Or come home to a house where all of your stuff is gone and it looks like you've been robbed. Either way, like F, both my parents get an F for that one. Like seriously should have thought through that one a little bit more. Maybe nowadays people are better at it. I mean, and I'm talking about these types of situations. Of course, there are situations where people come to grips with, okay, this is what we're doing, and they communicate it to their children. But I'm specifically talking about these situations where people feel blindsided by it, and then they they don't understand how their life is going to change as a result of that. It's just, it's just a whole mess. My kids certainly were not told. I wasn't even told. All of a sudden, I was told, maybe you should take the kids out of the house because my dad's going to come and move my stuff out with me. And I'm like, no, like we have a we have a baby, a less than one year old baby. I need you. Like, I, no, I'm not gonna live in the house that we bought alone. You know, and it's like 
that's when these types of things were thrown on me. Like I pay for everything. Who cares? Like who cares? Like you're my companion. Things may have been challenging over the past few months, but I just had a baby come out of my body, you know? When so these types of scenarios where it's just a complete shock and you're just unsure how it got to this and what the other person was thinking. And yeah, there's obviously a level of immaturity. Sometimes there's drug abuse that's happening with people, you know, and their their brain chemistry is not right. And so they're making choice decisions. Um, sometimes people are living on affairs and they're like, okay, this is so passionate with this other person. It's not as passionate with my spouse. Well, you know, I think for people who are who are thinking about this rationally and maybe are educated on relationships, because I don't want to belittle the fact that some people don't understand this. But your relationship with your long-term spouse is certainly going to be different than your fling with a girlfriend. You know, of course, that's going to be more exciting. You've seen your wife's ass, you know, thousands of times at this point. Somebody's new bare ass is going to be exciting to a lot of people. Of course it is, right? Like you're living in a dream world with this other person. And they may very well be a good person because I do have a philosophy of pick a person. That new person might be great, you know? But the damage that you're doing to your family by just picking up and see you later, this isn't working for me, um, is devastating and traumatic. And you can't be thinking about your kids when you do something like that. You have blocked it out of your brain because you know how painful it would be to actually feel the feelings of like when you were talking, I was feeling like almost tearing up, like I was feeling emotional and I was picturing, I was picturing you and I was feeling emotional and and like I was also picturing my daughter on one of the first nights and the second nights and the third nights that he left and I'm putting her in bed and she says, when is daddy coming back? And I'm sitting there and saying, honey, I, I don't know. Like I'm so confused. I don't know. But also needing to be a, an adult for her and strong for her. And I continue every day to have to be strong for my kids. This makes me emotional. And And I don't feel strong a lot of the time. I feel extremely weak and sad that they have had to go through that and they continue to go through it. Years later, they continue to have to deal with it. And it's really not fair. So I hope for anyone out there that's listening, I hope someone's listening and they're struggling in their relationship, you can repair. You can figure it out. You can get help to at least do it in a way that's that's healthy and, you know, People are people. People are humans. People make mistakes. They do come back from it. Um, there is research on um, relationships becoming stronger after infidelity even. So if that's something that you're struggling with in your relationship, people become stronger from infidelity. There's actually so much clarity and openness that can come from it afterward. So um, yeah, don't, you know, don't lose. I hope that this is hope for someone. Yeah. And like, think about the consequences of your actions because in both of our situations, many people were damaged by those actions. And for years, and I mean, to this day for me, years and years later. And it's like, if you, there are, there, there was, there could have been, even if the relationship was completely insalvageable, if that's a word, there's still a chance that you could have communicated better rather than the the fucking preemptive strike, which is basically what happened to both of us. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to do a Pearl Harbor in order to get out of a marriage. Like 
you can have send the ambassadors, send the diplomats, have discussions. And if it's not going to work, that's fine. There's a peaceful way out of here. But especially if there's children involved, for the love of God, think about what you're doing. Because I am a living example of someone who's been traumatized for 35, 37 years now as a result of shitty parents or shitty actions of parents. Um, so yeah, I, like you said, you can, you can try to repair your relationship, give it a go, but just consider your actions about what's going to happen if you, if you just give up on everything. And I think a lot of people, most people, if you haven't been through a divorce before and a separation, at least you really don't know what you're in for until you're there. So, so let me maybe on another episode, tell me, tell you what you're in for, because I think that, you know, people don't know that there's all oh, just leave and I'll find someone else. and It'll be fine. And I'll just have my kids 50% of the time. And then so much ensues after that, that you didn't realize was going to happen. You've got to pay a lot of money. You don't get to see your kids as much. Holidays get messed up. Like there's so much there that we could talk about, but I think this was good for today. I think I'm at my max capacity to talk about these emotional topics. <laughs> yeah. 